Hello and welcome to the September 16th, 2019 edition of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. My name is Mr. Joe. This is my neighborhood. This is my life. But this is our podcast journey. Welcome to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a Monday edition of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. It is absolutely awesome to have everybody here with me today. And of course, it's always wonderful to be out there with you as well. Well, after a rather short weekend, way too short, one in which I uh, actually had the enjoyment of seeing all four of my children, which was great. Even my daughter popped her little head out of, uh, you know, of the rabbit hole <laughs> and, uh, and decided that uh, she would be a part of the family this weekend. And unfortunately, uh, my, my time with both of my older children, not so much my 13-year-old son, but my 15-year-old daughter was rather limited based on the fact that she was in her room doing homework for literally like 48 hours straight. I mean, I cannot believe the amount of homework that is given to these children. And I mean, I guess, uh, you know, I guess uh, that's what society thinks we can handle now to some extent, you know, and uh, that's just the way that it is. So anyway, it was great seeing them. It was great having them around and it's very, very strange because I felt great all weekend, and I have to tell you, my mania that I was experiencing last week, it kind of leveled out. I was feeling relatively good all weekend long, stable, and then I have to say, the moment that my older children left, which was probably about 1 o'clock in the afternoon, they had something to do with their mother, as soon as I said goodbye and walked back into my house, a wave of anxiety came over me. And it was a pretty rough go the rest of the day until the nighttime. And I think, I honestly think that my ex-wife, if I was to smell her in the vicinity, I think it would give me anxiety. So maybe the fact that she was parked in front of my house, I don't know. Who knows, guys? I really don't know. But I do know this, that um, I, uh, you know, I developed some anxiety. It has carried over somewhat in today, but I have to say relatively I am happy and I've been productive at work and um, other than that slight bit of anxiety, I have been for the most part okay. I really have and I have to say I have not even needed a clonopin. So it has not been that bad where I'm panicking and having, you know, um, just complete utter anxiety that's taken over my brain and my life, uh, but there's definitely something going on. And I think what happens, guys, is when we feel so good, the littlest thing that happens while we're feeling good or directly after we're feeling good automatically puts up a red flag and you know makes a person believe, like, uh-oh, here we go again. And it's almost like I'm anticipating that mood swing. And, you know, I guess to some degree it makes me anxious. Uh, at least, you know, yesterday, whatever mania was left over as per yesterday, it actually prompted me to pick up the phone and call my mother. And sometimes that is the best way to go about it. Just completely unplanned, not thinking about it. You know, she was on my mind. And I said, screw it. I called her. 
and you know she was shocked to hear me and of course she tried to get into it with me about you know me going away and why didn't I call her and uh, guys I can't and I told her I said mom I said listen to me I go every time whether you're drinking or not you leave me a message that is confrontational you're just not going to hear from me until I get over it because you and I are too much of similar people and you know it's just going to be a screaming match and I don't want it to be that way so she's still uh, sober she mentioned that she thought about having a drink the other day but she did not that's never a good sign I'll tell you that much but she's still been clean and um, you know she's got a lot of money left over from my father money that she would never be able to spend throughout an entire lifetime and my sister and I are trying to push her to make you know the right decisions now the right decisions don't mean you know we decide where her money goes and how much she could take out and none of that's the case we just want her to be smart that's it and not you know money be wasting away so we're gonna have to help out and we plan on doing it but nevertheless I called her it was great we talked and maybe I'll stop by this week if I get a chance so now I wanted to focus on something today that has been an issue in my life and thank goodness it's really not occurred with me since I was dealing with my panic attacks that I've talked so many times about, probably going back to my college days when I was 19 or 20. I still don't know the time frame in which it was. I just know I was young, guys, and it was about 20 years ago. But if you've listened to my Anxiety 101 podcast, which is, my God, over a year ago, maybe even two, um, I speak about how I was also a hypochondriac throughout that entire panic attack um, situation. And as a matter of fact, I, I got to tell you, I think the hydro, hypochondria is what really sent me into panic mode. You know, it's like one of those things, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? I really don't know. What I do know, though, is that something has caused me concern. And rather than think the worst and start feeling my body in different places and looking for lumps and tumors and this and that uh, it's probably just a good idea for me to go and do a follow-up rather than being an idiot which is what I'm behaving like now but um, here's what's happening guys I was at my primary physician as you all know if you've listened to the past couple of uh, podcasts not directly you know before this one I'm saying maybe three four five even before this one I talked about a physical examination. It was an annual physical, um, and you know I took all the blood tests, and cholesterol came back great. One thing they did notice was um, some blood in my urine, but it was just a trace, nothing major. Uh, they did not care about it at all. But you know they said, "Listen, make a make an appointment with the urologist just in case, because I am having some low testosterone issues." So might as well go to a urologist and, you know, just talk to him about the uh, blood in the urine. And when I met with him, he did confirm to me, he said, listen, he goes, this is not even really blood. This is a trace and this is completely normal. And I expected to see the exact same thing when we do a retest. And I will say this, my father lived with blood in his urine for as long as I could remember. And each year he had to do something 
to check it out, and I'll talk about that in a second, but regardless, the uh, neuro- uh, neurologist, urologist said, you know what, let's just uh, go ahead here and um, take another urine analysis and see what's going on. So not thinking anything of it, I got a phone call just the other day indicating that the doctor is concerned because there was an off-the-chart amount of blood in my urine. Well, isn't that wonderful? Great, right? So they tell me now that they want me to go in for an MRI. And I would imagine the MRI will be, you know, of my kidneys or, you know, my bladder. I'm not really sure. My penis. Who knows? I mean, God only knows. I mean, but it is an MRI with an alternative with some... You know, to get this checked out with some method in which... Now, men, if you're listening to this podcast, women too, I mean, to some degree. But I don't think anybody would ever have an idea of what this might feel like unless you actually go through it. And what my father was referring to, that every single year he had to have done. And he used to basically be scared for a year up until the time he would get it done. And then the fear would start all over again. Um, based on the fact that he would urinate and he would have blood. And now I don't see the blood. This is uh, not something that I see. It's only so- seen under a microscope. But nevertheless, the alternative to the MRI and possibly even a follow-up if an MRI is not uh, producing enough of what we need to see is, I don't know the proper name for it, and I refuse to look it up because if this is the case, you know, and I know people say this, and I know this is a horrible way to think, but I feel like I would rather die than to go through this. And apparently, they could put a camera in your penis and go through the hole. Oh my God, I can't even. My body is quivering right now. I mean, I got that feeling in my stomach. I don't even want to talk about this, really. That's how sickening. I, I, I can't. So, anyway, I hope it doesn't come down to that because nobody is sticking anything in my penis hole. It's as simple as that. I had that done one time in my entire life in which I thought I had an STD, which turned out to be nothing, just a urinary tract infection. And again, I probably spoke about this too, in which they put some cotton swab or Q-tip. I don't even know. Oh, God. They put it in there. Oh, God. I can't even. I'm sorry. I know I'm being ridiculous. But as as I'm trying to talk in this podcast, I have thoughts of me laying on that Doctor, you know what? Let's let's not even talk about it. Men, you know what I'm talking about. Women, there's a very good chance that you're feeling the pain as well based on the fact that things just don't belong there. It's that simple. Things don't belong there. So let's hope that this is okay because, you know, the underlying things, the underlying medical conditions that are associated with blood in the urine are not very good. And again, that's that's part of my problem. Like a moron, you know, I've talked about it so many times. I mean, but those of us who have severe hypochondria, and these are the people that are thinking it all the time, very much like I was many, many years ago. You know, it didn't matter, guys. If I had a headache, well, I guess it must be a brain tumor. Yep. Um, if I had uh, some gas pains up in my chest, oh, I'm having a heart attack. Easy as that. If I'm nauseous, well, oh, man, I'm getting a virus, can't believe it. And you know what? The the nausea may even be the start of cancer, God forbid. You know, or look at that bruise that I have on my leg. I must have leukemia. 
I mean, this is the the sick thought process, unfortunately, that goes on. And um, being a hypochondriac is very, very real. I think some people refer to it as like anxiety illness. I'm sure there are a couple other names. But ultimately, what is it? I mean, it is, you know, people just insisting on the fact that they have all these ailments. And everything that's wrong, they think it's a bigger thing than it usually is. And that's exactly how I lived. And to some degree, I'm living like that again. Because I'm feeling like I got something major, major wrong with me. And, you know, um, now I don't I don't partake in the things that I used to do, which many of our hypochondriacs will do. We'll make frequent doctor visits and... Sometimes we'll even insist that we take tests that are completely unnecessary. And basically, we just worry over diseases that even when we get the procedures done, they've now proven that we don't have these diseases, but yet we still want to worry about them. Now, in the end, very much like what I used to experience, we will you know, we will feel those ordinary discomforts that everybody has in their life. They'll be a little bit more intense for us. We'll feel them more intensely than others, you know, and ultimately it results in a full-blown panic attack. And that's what used to me, used to happen to me. Um, and God help the doctor that I go to who refuses to acknowledge the fact that I have these symptoms. God help him because he's wrong and I'm right. And, you know, one of the other things that I think, believe it or not, you know, I I am, one thing I will tell you is I'm podcasting from the United States. And in terms of America, man, oh man, you know, awareness here is great. We even have bipolar day and all that stuff. It's great to have awareness. But to some degree, we are being trained as a nation to think like hypochondriacs because every, every single time I turn around, there's another illness or ailment that we're celebrating. So we don't even have a chance to get away from whatever we might be thinking is our problem. You know, I mean, if we are that bad in the sense where we have no real symptoms, but other than the ones that we think we have, and, you know, we're concerned that we have cancer, well, you know what, when the month comes out and cancer awareness, I mean, you know, it just adds to our panic. Now, I'm not saying that we need to stop that, That's not my point, but I do think that um, we need to celebrate it more, meaning not necessarily all the bad things that are associated with the, the diseases and the sicknesses that we have. Awareness is great, but why don't we sometimes focus on, you know, the positive things and the way that people, um, you know, the way we... The way we, sorry, I got cut off by a phone call. Um, I apologize. It's always strange. I never listen to it back. It must sound a little weird. But um, unfortunately, I don't even remember what I was saying. But I think I was referring to the fact that, you know, awareness is great. But sometimes let's focus on the positive outcomes of this awareness. Like, hey, look at this, guys. We can, you know, get better. You know, there are solutions here. We can, you know, feel good. Um, so, you know, I mean, really ultimately in terms of statistics from what I recall, and it could be lower, it could be higher. This is based on me reading, um, not too long ago. I don't know why I looked up 
being a hypochondriac, but I specifically remember that in terms of America, it affects about one in, one in 20 people, where we are just nervous wreck, wackadoos who think everything is wrong with us. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's very, very sad, very scary. It really is. So, um, you know, and we, we do this to ourselves, and we, can, we end up to some degree causing some of these physical symptoms, and then obviously, you know, things get um, lost and get even worse. So I said to myself, what do we do for this? I mean, is there really any kind of treatment that Mr. Joe can offer over a podcast? Well, first and foremost, I think it's very important that if you are suffering from this, number one, you may not even know it. So I'm hoping that this podcast has given you some insight as to whether or not, you know, you really truly are sick or you're just a hypochondriac. If you're not aware of it, good chances are that, you know, you will be made aware of it by somebody else or many of you who are have been told you're already crazy. So, um, you know, we kind of know for the most part who we are, I would tend to believe. And knowing that we suffer from it is the very first part in getting better. And, you know, obviously we need to... For me, I would say in terms of seeing a doctor, because it's very hard to keep somebody with uh, hypochondria to stay away from a doctor, but if at all you're going to be with a doctor, my suggestion is to, um, you know, stick with one. You know, one good doctor that you know and you know, one that will direct you, direct our attention, basically, to something else other than the ridiculous illnesses that we have. But if we could stick with one doctor instead of hopping around just to hear the things that we want to hear based on our so-called sickness, um, you know, somebody that we trust and we have been with, with for many, many years, you know, sometimes that helps a little bit. Um, you know, again, maybe kind of distract us, redirect us uh, into thinking what's important rather than focusing on the nonsense that we normally do. Um, so stay with a do- one doctor. That's a great bit of advice that I can give. Again, th- none of this is going to be earth-shattering advice, guys. It's just something I came up with, and you know, whether or not it's really truly going to help that, I don't know. I think ultimately... You know, a professional is the way to go. And I do know that with being, you know, in terms of hypochondria, um, there's something called cognitive behavioral therapy, better known as CBT. And that actually, from what I've read and researched, I believe that is a method in which will really help somebody out. It's, uh, it's essentially designed to help a person recognize and stop any behavior that's linked to your anxiety. And as we all know, this worry about being sick all the time is absolutely 100% linked to our anxiety. And what the CBT does is it helps a person be more aware um, the reality of the situation. And of course, it's easier said than done, and there's very specific tools in which you know, psychologists and therapists and social workers and whoever you might see would so-called practice that therapy on you. And I do know, though, it's been pretty effective. I would imagine, though, most people give up before they see any changes. Think along these lines, guys. I mean, and again, I'm just throwing numbers out there, but I would imagine, you know, it would probably be at least 15, maybe even 20 sessions before you are seeing any kind of real results to be honest with you, but from what I do, from what I, um, 
from what I've seen or read, it absolutely does help. Now, another thing that I have mentioned so many times, I probably can't even count. I mean, I literally cannot count, and I even alluded alluded to it today just a little bit. I'm going to sound like a broken record here, but my God, guys, stay the hell offline, really. If we are hypochondriacs, stay offline. Dr. Google is not a very good doctor, I promise you. I mean, man, I put in one damn pain or symptom, and now my appendix is ready to burst. I mean, honestly, that's really what goes on. And with me, when I start that Dr. Google search, I mean... Literally, I'm preoccupied all day long looking at the various things that could be wrong with me. So stay offline. There's no reason to it. To, reason to it. <laughs> reason to do it. To be on there. Um, I'm a little off today, guys, if you haven't noticed. I hope this is not my downward spiral into, um, you know, depression land. Who knows, but... Nevertheless, I'm definitely off today for those of you who have not recognized. I'm doing my best, though. Um, what else could we do? So I said stick with one doctor, um, you know, CBT, great thing to do. Look it up if you're not sure of it. Exercise, guys, I've said it, um, you know, a million times. It's definitely scientifically proven to ease stress and depression and anxiety, and those are all things that are associated with being a hypochondriac, okay? Um, I said to stay offline. That's a biggie. Um, what else could we do? Oh, here's a good one. And I got this from before as I was walking down the hill when I was working earlier. And I felt a lump right beneath my, I guess you could say, right in my abdomen area or above my belly button, maybe five, six inches above my belly button. I felt a little bump, which I would assume is just a bone of some sort, like a breastbone, I think. But, you know, there I am doing my self-examination like I always do. And what I will say is, guys... If we are performing self-examinations, stop doing it. Stop checking your blood pressure. Stop taking your temperature to see if you have a fever. You know, stop feeling around your entire body because I promise you, you're going to find a lump somewhere that means nothing or a mole that you never knew you had and it's there now. I mean, you know, just leave your body alone. It's as simple as that. If we can prevent ourselves from doing that stuff, you know, there's less for us to worry about. So stop those self-exams, guys. It's not necessary. And I guess there, there was, there's probably support groups out there. Um, you know, I would imagine. Now, I'm not, going, I'm not saying to go to a support group with people that are hypochondriacs so you guys could all sit there and uh, speak freely about your so-called illnesses. <laughs> you want to go attend one that's been proven, created, developed, whatever the word might be, to be a support system for those who have acknowledged that they are a hypochondriac and want to get better. And in that kind of a support group, that's one in which you could swap knowledge, things that you've learned. You know, somebody could raise their hand and say, oh, Mr. Joe did a podcast. And, you know, he mentioned that we should be with one doctor, you know, and see what everybody else has to say. You know, people might scream and yell and say, who is this Mr. Joe? He's a moron. And then you could say back, yeah, he's a certified wackadoo. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's again, support groups. Listen, I wish there was a support group out here for bipolar disorder in Mr. Joe's neighborhood, but there simply is not. If I want to go to a bipolar support group, just so everybody knows, here in Mr. Joe's neighborhood, my only choice would be to 
enroll myself into a outpatient mental health program and usually one that addresses simultaneously drug abuse and then you could sit in groups for bipolar disorder so you probably got to pay a, a pretty hefty amount of money in terms of co-pays just to sit in that group and again whether or not you even get into one is is really really not even a question i mean you know in terms of waiting lists here in mr joe's neighborhood and then once you do get in if you don't follow their plan um you know unfortunately you get dismissed from the program and again i'm not looking i could understand that i could understand that thought process when i was going through rehab and you know therapy and all those things for a period of nine months in which i was taken away from my family um you know, we needed order and structure. We needed something laid down, the law laid down, saying you missed two sessions or three sessions or five sessions, you're gone. We needed that. But somebody who is now just kind of looking almost like an AA or an NA, you know, I just want to open up the, you know, newspaper. Or, God, I don't even know who reads newspapers anymore, but um, I wish we did. I try to sometimes, but, you know, find out where they're, just like when we do AA, you know, oh, there's a support group here downtown or uptown or, you know, three miles away, and I could just pop in whenever I want. Not that I have to literally devote my entire week to maintaining a schedule which has been imposed on me by a mental health clinic which I don't belong at. But because they want my insurance and they want my money and they want all those things, they uh, refuse to do anything but enroll me into the program. And again, that's not always conducive to what we are doing in our lives. And, you know, my schedule simply would not allow for that. Now, listen, if I was really sick and it was part of what I had to do in life, you, you have to find a way. You do. You got to come up with a way. You know, right now I have urine in my pee-pee. I'm urine in my pee-pee. Dear God. See what I mean? Blood in my pee-pee. <laughs> Blood in my urine. Um, I, was so, I was so focused on using the word pee-pee that uh, you know, I messed that one up. But nevertheless, you know, I got blood. It's not good. We all know it's not good. You know it's not good out there. You know, it could be a urinary tract infection. Highly doubtful. I don't have any pain. Could be uh, those stones, kidney stones. Highly doubtful. But here I go again. You know, listen... I'm not giving you any information here that highly doubtful, could be this, could be that. I'm not a doctor. Want to know where I got my information from? The internet, like an idiot, okay? At least we can use me as an example of what not to be and what not to do. Because those are the things that drive a person crazy. Now, I stopped reading what it could be in terms of blood in the urine once I got to like the cancer part and you know, I don't want to hear it I really don't but I just hope that that tube is not going into my you know what because once I hear that we're going to have a be very big problem um, you know I'm serious I don't know how to go about that and what to do I mean I can't even think of it so we've already been down this road during this podcast let's not go any further with that now um, so I hope I helped out a little bit. Uh, this is not me claiming to be a hypochondriac, full-fledged, full-blown right now like I once was, but it was really just a way to address the illness because to me it is an illness. Some people will argue that and say it is not an illness. I believe that it is part of a mental illness. I could be wrong, and I'm not going to get into the arguments as to why it 
should be or should not be right now. I don't have any judgment for those that think it is not a mental illness. I could understand that as well. Um, but anybody who thinks they're dying every single day, like I used to, I'd say that's a big problem. And that's somebody who's mentally ill, who is actually not dying, running around thinking that they are dying. So, and here I am, still alive, 20 years later, 20 years later, I'm kicking. After all the times I thought I was having a heart attack and a stroke and a, you know, the only thing that ever came true was having a nervous breakdown, <laughs> unfortunately. The only things that ever come true with Mr. Joe in terms of being a hypochondriac is all my mental nonsense that goes on. We can always count on our moods to go up and down. That we know we are not overreacting about. Listen, if you're looking to talk, you want to reach out, and a, a few of you have, and believe me when I tell you, I have read all your emails. I actually caught up this morning. There are quite a few of you that I have to respond to still, and I will do so, but if you're new to the podcast and you're listening and you'd like to reach out, by all means, MrJoeBP at Yahoo.com, or you could find me on Twitter at MrBipolarJoe. Now, for those of you who are living with a mental illness and you're doing well, I ask that you continue to work hard love or you care about somebody with a mental illness or a drug addiction, I ask that you continue to support that person in the very best way that you know how. And if you are struggling right now with a mental illness, I ask that you continue to fight, continue to battle, and most importantly, soldier on. Thank you so much for listening. I will see you guys again in a couple of days. Have an awesome day, everybody.